when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Carousel talk, is that something you just ignore? Yeah, yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired and the next week you're going to take another job and I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And so, yes, to answer your question. I'm the man to go get it done with this staff, with this team, with this program. There's not anybody left standing after 2015. All right, I am. And I know what it takes. You build in together, you fight together, and you go find a way to get it done. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. We got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy. How are you? Well, Shane, I done did it again. Mm-hmm. Last episode, it was the Florida people out to kill me. Now... It's the Arkansas Razorbacks. They're unhappy. Appalachian State. I didn't even know they had damn fans, Shane. They're ready to kick my ass, too. I don't know what I stepped in this time, but uh, it, it's, these, these Twitter streets are tough, man. It's not Appy State, Mike. It's App State. Who the hell calls it App State? You know, I've known it as Appy State my whole life. I mean, it's just right over the hill. You know what I'm saying? It's like... Yeah, uh, so for, okay. for anyone that doesn't know what we're talking about here, you know, as soon as the SEC kickoff information is announced by the SEC every Monday, I tweet that out right away. I just like to get it out there. I like, you know, people want to know when their games are. So that's that's the sole purpose of that. And South Carolina, we'll get to it in just a minute here. They're playing Appalachian State week 11. And here's the truth of it, Shane. This whole shenanigans, like you said, instead of Appalachian State, Instead of App State, my tweet said Appy State, and I've just been getting bombarded by these these damn Mountaineer people. Uh, but the truth of it, Shane, uh, there are seven games here, mm-hmm. and try to write all that information in a tweet between these seven games, and it don't work. So I had to shorten some of these names, and Appy State sounded a lot better than APP State. So that's that's <laughs> all that happened here, and I got all these damn people after me. Uh, I didn't even know that that uh, they took offense to that, but I enjoy that. Uh, now that I know it, I'm never calling a map state, Appalachia State. It will forever be known as Appy State to me. <laughs> Not a happy camper, was he? <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Now, what's going on with Arkansas? Is this the whole, I'm guessing, uh, the guaranteed win thing? Yeah, no, I didn't specifically say he's out here guaranteeing wins against Mississippi State, but he did say, you know, he said it twice now, and we're going to win this game, we're playing to win this game, all this, and I just kind of half-jokingly said, oh my God, he's guaranteeing wins against Mississippi State now, (laughs) and oh my God, that's an uproar, all these people, he didn't guarantee nothing, you, they're calling me CNN, they're calling me fake news, uh, and <laughs> some people said I've got an agenda against Chad Morris. The only agenda that I have for Arkansas Razorback football 
is I want a good coach in there because those those fans deserve a hell of a lot better than what they're getting. I'm definitely not out to get Chad Morris. And, hell, I even like this move, Shane. I think everything going wrong with Arkansas right now on the field in recruiting, I love the fact this guy's coming out here saying we're going to win this game. I'm rooting for him now. I think Arkansas, uh, Chad Morris finally uh, – Put his big wang on the table, Shane. I, I love it. I think uh, he showed me a different side here this week that I thought. I thought it was great too, man. I, I I don't know why why it's such a bad deal. I want my coach out there guaranteeing wins. Do you remember when freaking uh, Lane Kiffin came in for Tennessee and he was saying he can't wait to go down there and sing the pot song against mm-hmm. Florida? You know what I'm saying? It's just that's just you want some of that and. You don't want to hear apologies or, or this is a young team or we're building something. You know, the same old, same old bullshit you hear every single week. Man, grow a pair like you did. Own it. Let's 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 guarantee some wins. If you don't, you know, let's let's give everything you got to have it. You know what I'm saying? And another thing that drives me nuts with this, we gotta get some young play. You got some young studs on this team that you have not let play yet. Now what if, I mean, they're going to make mistakes. And if they make mistakes, you could lose. But guess what? You're losing already. Let them play. Let them learn. Let them grow. I mean, the, Arkansas's got a lot of freaking talent down there that they're, they're just not letting play right now. Yeah, we'll get to the Arkansas-Mississippi State game here at the end of the episode. I want to save some of that energy before you get too fired up, Shane. <laughs> Last thing I got here on the docket, I just thought this was hilarious. Did you see LSU? They got a new commit. This is for the 2021 class, so it's not even this guy's going to be a uh, high school junior, not a senior. But did you see the receiver they just picked up, Shane? Mm-mm. And this is real. I'm not making this up. This is this kid's name. The coldest Crawford. Oh, nice. The coldest Crawford. That sounds like a made up. That sounds like something you've done on the NCAA, Mike. (laughs) Who's this guy playing for again? He's going to play for LSU. He's a junior in high school, but he's committed to the Tigers. Coach O, he wants to be the next uh, generation there of great LSU receiver. The coldest Crawford. I'm I'm already a fan of this kid. The coldest. Has anybody ever wore the number seven at receiver at LSU? Uh, yeah, last year they had a guy that actually he wore it and then he gave it up halfway through the year because he was <laughs> playing so bad. Okay, the coldest ain't going to give it up. I, I think this is a hell of a name, hell of a get. Well, what rank is he? I'm sure he's pretty pretty high up there. You know, I couldn't even tell you, Shane, but he's a five-star in my book. I'll just say that. Yeah, five-star. <laughs> I love it. All right, Shane, before we go around the league real quick, we like to do this for every Tuesday show. Uh, we kind of teased it there in the opening, but the I know we're in week 10 of the SEC season, but the SEC has announced the week 11 kickoffs and TV broadcast schedule. So this is for the November 9th games, two weeks out. We just like to let everybody know when their game's kicking off. We're just mm-hmm. going to go in order the kickoff times, starting with Vanderbilt at Florida, that's going to be a noon Eastern time on ESPN. Western Kentucky at Arkansas. That's going to be a noon kickoff on SEC Network. And then the big game, we kind of hit on this already. This was previously announced. LSU at Alabama, 3.30 Eastern on CBS. New Mexico State at Ole Miss. That's going to be a 4 o'clock Eastern kick on SEC Network. Missouri at Georgia should be a good one, Shane. 7 o'clock Eastern on ESPN. Appy State, Shane, (laughs) at South Carolina, 7 o'clock on ESPN2. 
And then last but not least, this is going to be a, a hell of a night game too. Tennessee at Kentucky, 7.30 Eastern Time, SEC Network. Anything jump out to you about those games, Shane? No. Uh, I mean, I've known this game for a while. I think the timing is pretty good. Boy, I am worried about that Kentucky game, Mike. I don't know about you, but they got two weeks to prepare for this thing. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know, me and a buddy, one of our listeners, Crawford, he were talking uh, earlier today and, and we're both a little, we're both a little worried about them, uh, them that big blue nation because they've got two weeks to come up with something crazy, and I think that's what Stoops going to do, man. And how about looking at it this way, Shane? I know Missouri's been struggling. But they're on a bye week this week. If Georgia does not beat Florida, remember what happened last year when Florida lost to Georgia? I mean, they just had no heart. Missouri went in there and just whipped them. Mm-hmm. Missouri get right back on track. They go down to Athens against an unmotivated Georgia team and whip them. That's going to be one to watch. Uh, and then my, my other thought here, Shane, Western Kentucky at Arkansas, their starting quarterback, I believe, is Ty Story, former Arkansas quarterback that basically got ran off this last offseason. So, oh, man, if that's that's another one I'm circling. Um, we'll get to more Arkansas here in a minute, but Chad Moore certainly cannot afford to lose that one. Isn't that where uh, Tennessee's coordinator went? Is he the head Tyson coach? Hilton's now the head coach there at Western oh, Kentucky, and oh. I, I think they're like 5-2 and two or something. They're pretty, pretty solid. Mm, so they do have offense up there. All right. That's good for them. <laughs> Just kidding. I know. I know. I'm, I'm bad. All right, Shad, you ready to go around the league? Let's do it. Now let's go now around the league. My, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why, why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. Right, we'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys, hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, Shane, obviously big game of the week. The world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Yeah, buddy. We'll start here in Athens. Kirby Smart met with the media here on Monday. And, man, Shane, this is going to be a barn burner. We'll get to Kirby in just a second here. But, uh, obviously, both these two teams have had two weeks to prepare. Florida, I think, it's fair to say, has got all the momentum. But Georgia... You know, they should have the advantage when it comes to depth, to talent. Obviously, recent history, they've dominated the Gators. I don't know if that plays any part at all this season, but I don't know, Shane. What's your early read on this game, and how big is it for Kirby Smart? Already lost one SEC East game, cannot afford to lose another, and, you know, a season of so much promise can you can turn on a dime here if they drop this one now. Last year, similar situation, got their ass kicked by LSU, had to hear about it for two weeks, came out and just just dominated Florida and turned their season right around. Uh, Thoughts on this big matchup? Dude, I think it's going to be a bloodbath, man. You know, I think we're just starting to get a little bit of the rumblings. And, 
You know, these guys do not like each other. And they, and the crazy thing is they both had two weeks to prepare for this game and they're not preparing for anything else. You know how some of them will say, well, you know, this was a good opportunity to kind of like camp to work out some things. No, these guys had each other on their minds for two weeks now, Mm -hmm. and it is going to be a bloodbath. They're not going to hold anything back. I think Georgia wants to shut up the naysayers, and I think Florida wants to show Georgia that they're legit. So, uh, man, I'm expecting some fireworks from this game. And I believe it was this game that really got the ball rolling last season for Jake Fromm. He was coming off that terrible LSU performance, and he was basically the difference in this Florida game. I know their secondary was really banged up in that game, and I believe it was Marco Wilson when he went down. They just, I mean, they targeted Florida's secondary time and time again, made them really pay. Mm-hmm. And then up from there on out, Jake Fromm just kind of caught fire. Any chance that happens once again? And if Jake Fromm does catch fire, I know the different team, obviously, he doesn't have the same receivers in Florida's secondary. A year older, a little bit more experienced, got some more young talent in there. Any chance that Jake Fromm gets it going against the Gators here and is once again the difference in this game? Dude, anything can happen in this game, you know? I think think what... I think the most important part of this game will be Florida's offense. I think the defense is getting healthier, and I think we know exactly what they are. They've, they're they the ones that helped them win so many ball games this season, but that the offense is just slowly and slowly getting better and better. And they're getting a lot more continuity with Trask back there. I think uh, they're getting the running game going a little bit. That, that's what would worry me if I'm a Georgia fan. But as far as Georgia, you know, they – they haven't had to do much. I know the South Carolina game was was they lost, man. They they lost that game and they didn't have to do much against Kentucky in that downpour. But I, I think they I think they're gonna bring out some offense this week. I think they have been holding back uh, some of these weapons and I think they're gonna cut a few of them loose. So I'm really eager to see what what the coaches dial up uh, with this Georgia offense because it cannot be just strictly swift. It cannot be a running game uh, with Florida because Florida can show has shown me that they have the ability to shut a running da- shut the running game down. And if they do that, what does Georgia do? Mm-hmm. They're they're going to be forced to throw. And and are these weapons going to be ready? Are the, is this young talent going to be ready? How much pressure do you think is on Kirby Smart to show that he can match wits with Dan Mullen and this Gator staff? Because, you know, I hate to bring this up, not not piling on on Georgia here, on the Bulldogs, but, you know, it just seems every year, I mean, Kirby Smart, I don't want to say he's a poor coach. I mean, he's got a hell of a record. I'm not saying he's terrible, but we see, like, the decision at the end of the South Carolina game, not letting his kicker, who's an All-American, attempt the game winner. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, the SEC championship game, the fake punt. Uh, again, in that LSU game, there was also some questionable fakes. I thought uh, he got kind of outcoached there by Butch Jones and his staff at the end of that 2016 game. So, you know, the, Georgia's not lost that many. So we kind of have mm-hmm. to – it's not like I'm saying this is a week, week-to-week week issue with Kirby Smart, but everyone's, you know, praising Dan Mullen. He deserves it. I think uh, Coach O, Dan Mullen, they're neck and neck right now for SEC Coach of the Year. Kirby can go a long way to closing that gap show everyone uh, that Georgia is still better than Florida. Any pressure on Kirby Smart 
not saying his job. I'm, I'm certainly not saying his job's in jeopardy, but pressure on Kirby Smart to show everybody that, uh, you know, Dan Mullen's not far and away a better coach than he is. Yeah, I mean, I think there's more pressure on Kirby than there's Dan, don't you? Oh, yeah, I without mean, a doubt. I mean, if they drop this one, two SEC games, I mean, that's their bid to the SEC championship. That's their bid to the playoffs. I mean, Georgia loses a lot. A lot of people have had this year circled for a few seasons Mm -hmm. thinking this is going to be the one that they make it to the national dance. You know, this is going to be the one they take over Bama. And, you know, yeah, I I think there's a lot of pressure on Kirby Smart. Does that make him conservative? I don't know. You know, I don't know about this. I think – I think a lot of people are realizing real quick when you watch a team like Tennessee and South Carolina and, and then you watch a team like Georgia and South Carolina just how much they miss Cheney. I'll tell you that because this offense is is just not doing it. And, again, I think that they were being conservative. I think they just said, hey, we've got the we've got a great offensive line. We've got a stable of running backs. We, we can run and we can beat anybody. And I think they just got exposed – and uh, they didn't have to do much with South or with Kentucky. I just, but they're going to have to do it this week. This isn't a team that you can just line up seven in the box and say, you know what, we're going to out, we're we're going to rush every series. Where it's not going to work that way against Florida Gators. Mm-hmm. So let's kick it over to Kirby Smart, Shane, talking about that matchup, that coaching matchup with Dan Mullen, and on Georgia's offense, what they got done during the bye week. I thought it was particularly interesting how he notes they, you know, look around the nation, see what everybody else is doing, get some fresh ideas in the building. Uh, let's kick it over to Kirby. You mentioned your history of going up against uh, Dan Mullen. Uh, what's the chess match like, the dynamics uh, of, of uh, that through the years? Any, any common uh, denominators there? I don't know. That, I mean, it's, a, it's a chess match every time you go against somebody, but it, it, it boils down a lot more to players than it does X's and O's. Uh, he he he, they, they, he always has a very physical football team. They believe and they have a commitment to the run game. They always seem like they have downhill, low center of gravity backs, very similar to what he has now. He had at Mississippi State, big physical offensive line. He never abandons the run. He's always going to be able to run the ball. He always has a quarterback that can run the ball, especially whether it's short yardage or packages with Emory coming in for him. Um, and he's got – as good a wideout group that he's ever had that I can remember, and he's using those guys' skill sets. I mean, he he he, he uh, highlights those wideouts he has because he has so many. So, I mean, I don't know how to better say it than to say that that he has a complete offensive package right now with what he has. So he has the ability to use all those guys, and uh, he's doing a good job. They're they're doing a good job offensively. Kirby, obviously there was a lot of talk about the offense going into the bye week. I'm just curious, as the coaching staff looked at film, um, was there anything that stood out to you uh, in terms of what more can be done? And do you believe um, the players on the offense have been put have, have been put in the best position to succeed to this point? Yeah, I think there's no doubt. But first of all, we always we look every week, but bye weeks we look at everybody in the country and say, okay, what are they doing? What are they doing? What's been successful? What tools are they using? What positions are they putting their best players in? How are you utilizing your your playmakers to try to get them the ball? We're we're always evolving in regards to that. That's no different. Um, 
as far as what our guys are doing and, and being able to put them in a good situation, yeah. I think we've been able to put a lot of our backs in good situations to be able to win, do things. I think, again, at wideout, it's tough because wideout, we haven't had a – there's not been a core group that's just been there every game and been able to do it. Cager's the one guy you can make a case has, has made some plays uh, when he's been available and uh, made some plays on 50-50 balls. We've got to be able to do that because of the way people play us. We're going to have to continue to do that. Uh, going back to uh, the question about uh, Florida's pressure, can you talk about your comfort level having a guy like Fromm and his experience and his ability to make decisions in those kind of situations? Yeah, you know, Jake's played well uh, in those kind of situations when you're talking about having a team with really good rushers, but a lot of that is contingent on those two tackles uh, blocking those two guys and their ability to, you know, they, they don't just rush those two guys on the edge. They do games. I mean, Todd does a good job mixing things up, uh, keeps you balanced. He, you know, he plays different coverages when he plays a, a quarterback that's not a scrambler or a runner per se. It allows you defensively to play uh certain guys a certain way. You know, people play Jake different than they play a guy that takes off running with the ball. So uh, it makes it a little different. But Jake does a good job handling that. Um, I think that'll be one of the key matchups in the game is, you know, how does their pass rush affect our offensive line, uh, especially in passing situations. Coach, uh, Gainesville, Florida, 70 miles closer to Bainbridge than Athens is. So confession time. Were you ever a Gator fan growing up, or did you ever pull for the Gators when you were a kid? No. <laughs> I did go on an official visit there, and they recruited me out of high school and uh, had a good visit there, but wasn't a Gator fan. All right, Shane, so it seems like he's got a lot of confidence in their game plan. He's been in this situation before. How confident are you that Georgia's offense will show something here against, uh, you know, I don't want to say a – by no means a suspect Florida defense. They've been outstanding. They're getting some guys back. But, you know, there's there's tape out there. South Carolina hit them a little bit, particularly on the ground. LSU hit them through the air. So there's, there's film of offenses being successful against this Florida defense. Can Georgia do much the same this weekend? Well, I, I yeah, I think anything's possible. But, you know, just, I mean, we're talking about Florida preparing for Georgia for two weeks with Georgia's been preparing for Florida for two weeks. Uh, we got a lot of people coming back. Uh, you know, to, that bye week, it's, it's amazing how how much that helps your depth. You know what I'm saying? Uh, just that additional week. Even players that weren't out, there was a lot of players that were banged up, and it was maybe showing up in the fourth quarter when Florida was getting gashed. I think this, this bye week came at a perfect time for uh for the university of florida if you're asking me so but i also think that it was kind of a good time for georgia because you know they they needed to find themselves man i just don't think their identity was right you know i still think they were searching for that and 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 i think two weeks they've did a little bit of soul searching and i think we're going to see a different style offense come uh come saturday all right Shane. well let's kick it over the other side of this one jump on down to gainesville Dan Mullen met with the media here on Monday, and it's almost like the Gators are playing with house money. Everything we said leading up to this game, you know, Georgia's the one with the junior quarterback who's been playing since he's a true freshman. The Gators, their quarterback, out for the season. They're playing with the backup. This is only going to be his sixth career start, and not even talking college. We're talking high school, too. (laughs) If you were to say all that leading up to the season, you're like, my God, I mean, Florida's just going to get destroyed in this game. 
And I think a lot of people are going to be picking the Gators to win it. Uh, and that's considering the fact that uh, I don't know how much of a gap there is. I think there is a there an overall talent gap, an overall depth gap. But the eleven on eleven, it's pretty tight, fairly tight. But it's gonna, mm-hmm. it's never gonna be as big of a gap right now as it is right now, more than likely. So having said all that, Shane, how much further does this Florida program go under Dan Mullen if they show him and his staff that they can essentially take down the the team everybody had winning the SEC East, and it only took them two years to do it. <laughs> Oh, man. I don't know. I, I mean, that says a lot, man. I the thing, the thing that drives me nuts about this situation is a lot of people have been given, uh, you know, been given Dan a hard time because he cannot recruit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, but Dan really can. I mean, Dan's, Dan's able to get some recruits down there. But the gap is pretty wide right now as far as talent. As far as you, if you look at five and four stars on each team, mm-hmm. there's a there's a pretty big set. Is there even a five star on Florida Gators team right now? <laughs> well, the only one they got, Shane, was the guy that uh, left Transfer, Georgia, yeah. Britton Cox, and he's oh. not eligible. So, no. <laughs> yeah, just, but that makes you wonder. I mean, does that does that make you feel even worse inside? You know, knowing that you're not. Well, again, I don't want to put the cart in front of the horse. These guys haven't played. Georgia had one bad game, yes. So did Florida. Florida, you know, they'd love to have that LSU game back. But if Florida somehow wins this thing, I I, th- I think you're really upset with Kirby. I, I think you're, you're saying, okay, yeah, he's a hell of a recruiter, but maybe he's not a good coach. And, and that's not a good feeling to have. And, and eventually that does show up in the recruiting. If you can't win, if you can't beat big teams like this, you see it. Uh, it's happened at several different universities that just get right there mm-hmm. and they're just not able to compete. And then here you go. Here's Alabama again. You know, there's LSU, you know. So, I mean, you're right there at, at the cusp. You're you're getting the talent that these other teams are, some, some better talent. And if you can't get this game, I'm telling you, man, there's going to be a lot of finger pointing down there in Athens. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, let's kick it over to Dan Mullen, who was asked about uh, once again, despite the Gators' you know, outstanding season, they're the underdogs once again. I think a lot of that has to do with the, the teams they're playing. They're playing some elite teams, knocking them all off outside of LSU. On facing this Georgia defense, any advantages Dan Mullen sees in this unit? And then uh, finally, you know, Urban Meyer, that was, his, that was, it was always huge for him as Florida's coach, treating these rivalry games special. And uh, Dan Mullen, I thought this was kind of interesting. He kind of takes a different approach. Uh, Dan, you guys are uh, have been out of the top ten for one week all year, but you've been underdogs now for the third time in nine games. Is that – do you guys use that as, as fuel at all, or is it just no. what's happening in Vegas? Yeah, that's more a Vegas deal. Like I said, if we ever walked in, it would be a big, much bigger deal if we walked in and they spotted you the points one way or the other. Uh, we'd be a much bigger deal at that point. Like, I don't know. After watching a couple games of tape on Georgia the last couple of weeks, where do you see offensively where you could have some success against them? Well, I mean, the, the one thing always you want to try to do is be balanced. Um, the uh, So, I mean, that's, that's anytime you're not – you're going to struggle, so you got to kind of constantly be balanced. You got to be able to run, throw, and attack them across the field and try to create advantageous matchups. That's what we always do. 
when you work for Urban, Urban always kind of treated rivalry games a little bit differently. I know you're not going to give away secrets, but do you treat them differently? Uh, is there something that you do to get your teams ready on no, a rivalry I don't, game? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't have to. You know, I mean, it's a big game. I mean, if, if I mean, if our guys aren't used to playing the game, they got problems. I mean, this is what right. I mean, you you want to come come to Florida to play in the big games, to play in in, in rivalry games like this, and you know, I've never thought that you really have to. I mean, if I have to go motivate our team, it ain't much of a rivalry game then. All right, Shannon, it seemed to me, based on these comments, I don't know if Dan Mullen's being totally honest. I'm just going to flat out say that because it's hard for me to believe this is not a special week for him and his mm-hmm. program. And once again, being the underdogs, I mean, it just seems like the Gators thrive in that mentality. What are your thoughts on what Dan Mullen had to say there? <laughs> I don't know, man. You know, Dan's he's a he's a manipulator too. You know, I give Saban a hard time, <laughs> but I'm telling you, Dan is a master manipulator too. We talked about this with the old Miss situation. Uh, you know, he always found a way to make that egg bowl special, or just even though it didn't really need the mustard, he still found a way to get more out of his players. Mm-hmm. Don't think he is not doing the same exact thing about this game. I'm <laughs> telling you, Florida has been locked into Georgia for two weeks now. And, and, and Kirby has too. I'm not, again, I, I, I keep, I know it feels like I'm piling on Georgia here, but I'm not. It's just a lot of people don't realize how good a coach Dan Mullen is. And, that should scare you going into a game like this if you're not prepared. Because if and, and Kirby and, and Georgia has shown there's been some times that they're not prepared for the situation. You know, there's been times this season that they've given up a lead in the first half multiple times. And, yes, they were able to scratch back and get into a lot of these games. But, you know, I, that worries me because a team like Georgia should never be playing from behind. Yeah, that's a good point, Shane. But that's something that uh, there's going to be a lot of questions to be answered for both these sides, but particularly in Athens if Georgia cannot get this game done. Uh, last thing on this game, Shane, I think we've recorded we, week nine recap, but uh, between that and the previous time we recorded, there was a – agreement with the city of Jacksonville to keep the world's largest outdoor cocktail party in the city. The <laughs> The current contract was only to 2021. That has been extended to 2023. And I believe the city of Jacksonville, as I understand it, has an option to extend that to 2025. I fully believe they will. I just wanted to, uh, both these coaches were asked about that for the first time since that agreement. So I threw these both back to back Kirby Smart and Dan Mullen, uh, their thoughts on the game staying in Jacksonville. Uh, Coach, obviously the Jacksonville deal got extended. We hadn't had a chance to talk to you. I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. It, You you sounded like you would prefer that not to have been the case, but how would you feel about that new deal? Yeah, I think the first misnomer there is that I I don't want the game in Jacksonville. That's not a case for me. I I look at it through – I love playing. It's one of my my best memories ever as a player being able to do that. I think the landscape of college football is such now that your home and homes are so valuable as you go out and try to find other teams to play. When you play these other teams that we're playing out in the future – 
you got a home and home, so you got one less home game. The team that's used to buy to come play you, you're going to have one less home game. So now with us, every other year it may be two less. Um, so it makes it tougher um, in that perspective. But um, I also think the financial significance of this game and also the historical significance of this game weighed in the factors. And the administration felt like that was the best thing to do, and I'm 100% on board with it. I'm a team player, and I always said once the decision was made, it's made. It's a two-year commitment. We'll continue to see where it's going in college football. So I think as you look across the board, you see more and more kids committing on these official visit weekends where they go to a home game, and they're, they're really important weekends. You know, we just have one less shot at those. That's the toughest thing. What are your thoughts in the game, Stan and Jacksonville, for the foreseeable future? And, you know, and, and it, that was always kind of a given. Do you see that that may be a negotiation every several years now? Well, I think, well it's been there since 1933, except for twice. Uh, that's a long time. A lot of history involved in that, and I'm not always saying just because it's all that's the best thing to do. Just because you know, I'm never, I, I'm never somebody that's always going to say, "Oh, that's just how we've always done it." So you don't don't think about it. But I do. I think it's a really unique scene for college football. Uh, there's not many games like this um, in the country, and so I think that part of it is pretty special. Uh, and I think it's pretty good. I think it'll be something you know that I mean, all the schools will continue to look. The, the, the landscape of college football is constantly changing. And so, you know, I think, you know, right now over the next couple of years, it's, it's beneficial uh, for that. And then we'll see as it continues to move forward if that remains the case. Welcome into your weekly history report. I'm your host, Cousin Shane. Today we're diving into the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Can't call it that anymore because it promotes alcohol, but... It is what it is, man. We know what this game's called, and it's a, it's a long robbery. It started all the way back in 1904. If you were to ask Georgia, it was 1915. If you were to ask Florida, wait a minute, Shane. First time they met, two different years? It doesn't make sense. Well, let me explain. The first time they met was in 1904, but it wasn't the University of Florida at that time. It was known as the Florida Agriculture College based in Lake City. Okay? You with me? It didn't become the University of Florida until 1906, so that 52-0 ass-beating that University of Florida took, they don't want to recognize. Do you blame them? Dan Majel, a Georgia sports historian, says that's where Florida was back then. We can't help it if they got run out of Lake City, okay? Now Shane, why is this game held in Jacksonville all of a sudden? Let's go up, 1933. It's the Depression, all right? They're holding this game in Jacksonville for one reason and one reason alone. It was easy to get through by train, okay? You gotta remember, times were tough. So they had to make this game easy accessible, and they did. And every game that they had was sold out. That's huge. Notre Dame and Southern Cal lost ticket sales by 50% because, like I said, times were tough. So they kept playing there. Now, we moved out of the Depression, but it's still has a lot to do with money okay go with me here for a second university of georgia makes about on average 2.3 million dollars for every home game they have so if they did a home and home they would make 2.3 give or take every other year now playing at a neutral site the georgia bulldogs will make on average 1.8 million dollars every year that's 3.6 million every two so you, you, you with me here it's over a million dollars so you could say what you want it, it, it's it's about the money okay but why is it called the world's largest outdoor cocktail party well that's because of a guy named bill kessels uh florida times union sports columnist in the 50s was covering the game 
spotted a drunken tailgater after after the game offer a drink to a policeman. Wrote it in the article, the name stuck. Now you know why they call it the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. All right, so there you go, Shane. That's uh, Coach's comments on it. Shane's history lesson on it. <laughs> I just love this game, Shane, and I'll tell you why. I know Kirby, you know, despite what he says here, I don't think he's a big fan of it, be- probably because it's in the state of Florida. It's in Jacksonville. It's in the Gators' home state. But here's the thing, Shane. Both these teams pocket $5.5 million each from these games in Jacksonville per season, whereas yeah. if they were having it at home, I, I think they're only making about – three to four million and that's just one so then the next year the other school would not make anything so this game ain't going nowhere obviously and i think it's a good thing for college football uh, i know georgia fans maybe not quite as happy but it's just just a special environment for anyone that's not uh, partaking even if you're not a georgia or florida fan i i really recommend you going down to jacksonville when they have this one year it's just the whole damn city celebrates it and it's just an awesome time yeah no i love it that and uh yeah, I, I think you're right. I think a lot of this has to do with money. I think a lot of people are saying, "Hey, we've done this since the '30s," but, mm-hmm. but it, you know, it's all about cashing that check too. And they're making a lot of money playing at this neutral site, so there's no way this thing's going away anytime soon. And I'm glad. I love it. All right, Shane. Let's take a break from the podcast to let the listeners know that support for that SEC football podcast comes from Manscaped who's number one in men's below-the-belt grooming, Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels. We got an exclusive offer from Manscaped, the listeners of the podcast, to get 20% off and free shipping using the promo code SEC over at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping over at manscaped.com. And I got to tell you, Shane... Manscaped sent me over the product. It's a high-class operation over there, Shane. I mean, they give you a leather-bound tote bag. I'm loving this bag. Uh, the razor's fantastic. They give you perfume. i got to be honest with you, Shane. My girlfriend sprayed this perfume. She wanted to sample this perfume. Spraying it all over the house here. I'm, not, I'm going to tell you a funny story, Shane. I went to a wedding recently. Thanks to the electric razor from Manscaped, I got two haircuts. The girlfriend's loving that one, Shane. So we're listening to the podcast. 20% off. Free shipping over at manscaped.com using the promo code SEC. Once again, that's the promo code SEC over at manscaped.com. Get 20% off free shipping. I really recommend this product. They've sent it over to me. It's a hell of a device here. Once again, that's promo code SEC over at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. Check it out. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Fayetteville. Woo pig! Chad Morris met with the media here on Monday, and all of a sudden, Shane, this has turned into a must-win game for Mississippi State, coming off some terrible losses here under Joe Moorhead, going to Arkansas. I mean, this is basically like a loser-leaves-town matchup here where if Mississippi State cannot beat Arkansas, man, we've been... uh, We've been supporting Joe Moorhead for a while here, but, I mean, the confidence is already super low in Starfield for most people on Joe Moorhead. And now, if he were to lose this, this is the worst team in the SEC. And on the flip side, we got old Chad Morris talking a big game, but uh, the Razorbacks have been blown out two consecutive matchups. 
two consecutive games here. Uh, what are your thoughts on this matchup, Shane? Is you know, I'm, I'm sure outside of these two fan bases, not a lot of eyes are going to be on this matchup on Saturday, but this is a big game for both these teams. Yeah, no, I think this is a huge game. Uh, I think there's huge postseason implications here. And and when I say postseason, I think maybe job status, Mike. You know what I'm saying? You've got to get some Ws. You you got. I mean, I think if you're Morris, you've got to get an SEC win. And I think Mississippi State is big for them if they plan on making a bowl game here at the end. So, uh, no, I think this is a very this is a this is probably one of the biggest games of the week. And a lot of people aren't going to be talking about it. There's not going to be a lot of people watching it outside the fan bases. But uh, there's a lot riding on this one. Yeah, if Mississippi State can't get it done. They're not going to the postseason. I believe they've gone to the postseason nine consecutive years, longest streak in school history. On the flip side, Shane, if Arkansas doesn't get this done, probably not going to win the SEC game. Two straight winless seasons in the SEC. Man, I just don't know how you come back from that. I mean, it may be already too late for Chad Morse. I I don't I don't want to fire him, Mike. You know, because we've been really hard on Morris, but. Let's just – I got to I got to play devil's advocate, all right? Mm-hmm. Let's say Morris does not win a game the rest of the season. They've got Arkansas is playing Mississippi State. they got Western Kentucky, LSU, Missouri. There's a shot because, like you said, uh, uh, Western Kentucky is actually a pretty, pretty good squad this year. If they lose every remaining game, your odds – of Morse being out are what? Well, I think the best way to answer that, I would have to know a little bit. You know, if they're losing these games by like a touchdown or less, I think oh, you, okay. I think you bring them back. But if you if you're getting your ass kicked by you know three or the four, particularly yeah. particularly against Western Kentucky, who's in a first year coach, I mean certainly they're not going to get stomped in that one. They're probably going to be favored. I I don't. I mean, I don't know if they'll be favored, but let's say let's say they beat. Well, you're saying they lose them all. Let's say they they barely lose Western Kentucky. They lose LSU by fifty. They yeah. And then the other two they lose by multiple touchdowns. I think you pull the cord. I think it's time to move on. I mean, okay. You just you just can't have it. I mean, there's there's been no sign that this guy has any idea what he's doing at this point. Yeah, and. Well, let's just let's just take it one step farther, Mike. Is there any candidates that you would see eyeing this job? Maybe uh, I mean, because there's always rumblings of ex coaches. You know, I swear I see Houston Nut. You know, coming out with something every week. <laughs> Is there any chance we see an old ball coach that's been down there at Arkansas? Do you think? I mean, they've they've tried the new route. You know, so <laughs> that with Morris that didn't work out. You usually see polar ends when you get these rehires you know what i'm saying who who do you think would uh would be interested in this job you think maybe less you know oh that'd be be fascinating they got all less miles down there but you know if i was them i would pull i don't know how interested a guy like this would be but i think you could get him shane how this is going to sound crazy Mike Leach, could they get him? I mean, I think I think Arkansas is a much better job than Washington State, Texas Tech, all these schools like that. I think that's a guy you got. You got to get an experienced guy, where 
it's an upgrade going to your school. You can pay him more. He's going to like the challenge. Remember, he almost had the Tennessee job, so clearly he's interested in the SEC. His offense has worked in the SEC. I know it was a long time ago at Kentucky, but that's a guy that I'd be targeting if I'm Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Let's see. Uh, well, you know there is there is one guy out there that's on a – no, wait, never mind. He lost to the Rutgers last week. I was about to bring in Hugh Freeze again, you know. <laughs> but I, think, I, I mean, that name's always going to be floating around. I'm just, you know, it just it, it just seems like you know when you go from from coach to coach, a lot of times it, it's just like I said, it they want somebody maybe more experienced this go round, you know that that mm-hmm. has been around big time football before, and and you know because they try to coach that is you know fresh off the boat and it didn't work so i don't know i don't know it's just something i've just been thinking about and i'm sure there's a lot of arkansas fans out there thinking the same thing like who the hell's gonna take this job you know uh the arkansas is a hell of a job it's don't let uh don't let what chad morris has turned it into smirk your opinion of it i i think they could they could really attract a good candidate here but speaking of that shame we're getting a little too ahead ahead of ourselves here looking up this matchup here at mississippi state Chad Morse on Monday asked about which quarterback will start. Surprise, Shane. He's got no idea. On John Stephen Jones, well, you know, he gave him a little spark. On Nick Starkville, on his confidence being shot. And then last year, trying to, will the Razorbacks be eyeing a revenge? I always think that's kind of overrated, but Mississippi State did beat him 52-6. to So if you're on that team, you don't want to get embarrassed again. Here's what Chad Morse had to say. Uh, and who? do you project to start this week? How are you going to let that play out during the week? And can we expect to see K.J. Jefferson for the first time? Well, you know, first of all, we're, we're, we're going to win this football game this week. And, and whoever we feel like is the best opportunity for us to win that game uh, is first and foremost who we're going with. I don't know that right now at this point. Um, but, uh, but I do know that we're, we're we, uh, you know, all, all options are on the table. And we would love to have an opportunity to to uh, you know to get some more of our younger guys in at times, but we're going to win a football game, and and uh, that's that's our approach. Coach, with not knowing mm-hmm. you know who gives you the best chance to win this week, how do you go about deciding how to split reps in practice? Yeah, no, I think that we'll uh, we'll continue to do, um, and you know we'll have a a general idea of how we're going to do the, the reps in practice, uh, um, similar to kind of what we did a little bit last week, and. Um, you know, with uh, with Ben being back healthy, um, you know, he'll get some reps in there as well. Does that increase his reps this week? And just kind of where does he stand in the pecking order? Well, I thought he did some really good things. I thought it opened up a new dimension to our run game in the zone read, um, something that we, we, we want to continue to, to build on. Um, and yeah, I think that he he gave us a spark and did some did some good things for us and um, made some really good reads. Matter of fact, every one of his reads were were right on. So I was very proud to, to see him and the success he had. And again, we've got to we've got to put together a plan that's going to benefit uh, benefit this football team and and uh, moving forward. What would you say about Nick's confidence level right now? What's the difference between Nick Starkle against Colorado State and then the Nick Starkle the last couple starts he's had? Well, I, I definitely think that you could see that there is some confidence issues. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, but it, it's just, 
Now, there's a lot of factors that come into play. I mean, you know, he's he, you know, he obviously played against a really good defensive secondary last week, and we knew that. Um, uh, and um, but I but I do think that that uh, just our our offensive struggles, our inability to um, to get things going, turning the ball over is is definitely uh, you know I, I think it's it's it is something you're going to have to work through. And at that position, you you you've got to continue to work through those tough times, and that's kind of where we're at with. It. Chad, the way the Mississippi State game went down last year, I would have to think that, you, that the motivation levels for your team, could, could you talk about just how motivated you might be to, to make up for last year? Well, an opportunity, first of all, to come back home. I mean, we knew, we knew the, the two opponents we were just fixing to play, or the, just played, and, um, and, and, and to continue to focus on getting better. Uh, but to come back home and play in front of a home crowd uh, Saturday afternoon, that, that, that motivating enough. As and then you know you you look at, at Mississippi State and and we traveled down there last year and and uh, didn't go like we planned and everybody in this building knows how what happened and um, so I, I think these guys are going to be motivated to get back in here just to continue to get better and, and and continue to build. All right, Shane. So much of the same, and I'm starting to feel. I mean, I was half joking when I said this uh, previously on Chad Morse, but it just seems like whatever quarterback they get prepped and started and, and ready for the game. He's terrible. Get that backup in. He's a far better player. So mm -hmm. if I, I'm a Razorback fan, I'm more interested in who's the backup this week because he's going to have a hell of a game here. Well, you know, I will say this. We got the depth chart released today mm -hmm. from our boy uh, Football Dwayne, and it says that we've got Ben Hicks or Nick Starkle, mm -hmm. and then John Stephen Jones is a backup. So – I think uh, I think they are going to roll Hicks out. Uh, I, I know it's just listed as first here, but I, I think he's you know he's kind of been hitting them that he's getting healthy and mm -hmm. and blah blah blah. So you know I, I think we're going to see the same old thing. Ben Hicks does a couple of series. Nick comes in. Maybe we see some Stephen Joe. Maybe we see K, KJ do some pregame workouts you know we get excited but we never see him again the rest of the game. So I think that's the game plan right there, Mike. Last thing on the Razorbacks, Shane, unfortunate news. Colton Jackson, one of their better offensive linemen, has announced he's walking away from football. He's been dealing with some injury issues, I believe a back issue, so you hate to see that. Uh, Chad Morris announced it, and Colton Jackson later confirmed it on Twitter. So, man, that's a tough blow. Um, he was not playing already because of this injury, but just hate to see someone have to give up their career so young. Yeah, for sure, man. That sucks. All right, Shane, jumping down to the other side here. Jump on down to Starkville. Joe Moorhead meeting with the media here. And, you know, his defense got toasted there quite a bit against the Aggies. Got some really young defensive backs in the game. A couple of true freshmen in that last game. It looks like they're going to have to go that same route on Saturday. That's going to be tough, Shane. That's going to be real tough. But because if... For nothing else, Arkansas's got some receivers that can play. Oh, Grady, we know what he can do. So that's, yeah. that's a that's a big blow heading into this matchup. Mississippi State's got to figure that out. Bob Shoup's got to scheme around those guys. If I don't even know if you can scheme around two freshman corners, but they're going to try it. Uh, and then Joe Moorhead also talked about his offense struggling out of the gate. It seems like every road game – they play in the SEC. They don't get anything going to about halftime, sometimes not till the second half. 
Um, and then on the desperation of this game for Mississippi State and Arkansas. Coach, looking at the depth at, at cornerback with, uh, with Jerry Ann's con condition there, I mean, how do you plan to manage that? Um, you know, just going to have to work. You know, this is part of the season where, you know, it's the tail end of it. You're going into game nine, and then everyone in the country is dealing with injuries. And, you know, we've been beset by quite a few, but, you know, we have a next man in mentality. The person who goes in is going to do as good or better of a job. And, you know, Corey Charles, some of those other young guys, you know, they're, they're going to have to come in and, and play a role. Joe, the offense the last four weeks has only had six points in the first quarter. Have you ever had a stretch like that where the offense has been so slow out of the gate? And what do you do to kind of correct that? Yeah, I'd have to look back. You know, one, one of the things we charted is first, first drive score. I think we hit that maybe three times early on and haven't had it since. And, uh, you know, kind of put a, a uh, you know, early, um, early game script together of plays where you're trying some different things and different formations to kind of see what they're in. But, uh, you know, it, I can't say that I recall that uh, happening, but, you know, it's you know, making sure we're making the right calls when we do, you know, making sure the kids are executing. Given where you guys are in the standings, where Arkansas is in the standings, how desperate do you think both teams will be? And how does that change kind of the, the scope of the week and, and then leading into the game especially? No, I don't think there's desperation by, by necessarily any means. I think, you know, we're certainly uh, focusing all of our concentration and all of our efforts and, you know, practice preparation to make sure we're doing everything necessary to go out and perform and play well this week and, and get a win this week. All right, Shane, this is, uh, i got to be honest, this is the Joe Moorhead I do not like to hear from. I mean, we mm -hmm. saw it a couple weeks ago. He got heated. He got passionate. His team played their damn hearts out against LSU, still came away with a loss. And, you know, he talked about the emotions of that Tennessee performance and the fans telling him how bad he sucked afterwards. And then he goes <laughs> right back into – it's like he's reading a damn piece of paper here. Now, I don't know if this – you know – does not necessarily mean anything for the game, but uh, with a guy with his back against the wall, man, I, I got to see some passion here. Get fired up for this one. Absolutely, man. You're on a four-game losing streak. Ain't got time to be, you know, kicking cans down the street. Uh, I, I'm with you because when they were going into that LSU game, he just felt uh, he. I mean, he was pumped up, man. You know, and they really gave LSU a run for the money. I thought that was going to bleed into next week with uh, Texas A&M. And it was not there. And, and you know, I think you're as good as your captain. And I'm not saying that Joe didn't try to pump these guys up before the game started. But, you know, he's already started that oh-hum this week, you know. And, and you can't have that because we just talked to you about how important a win would be for Mississippi State this week. So you you got to rally the troops. You got to get them fired up because, this, like I said, this is a very important game for that postseason. Mm -hmm. Everybody needs – everybody wants those extra practices, but not everybody deserves them, you know? Yeah, I mean, he was acting like he had Rutgers on the other line right before he walked in his day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, he's done putting a, a squad together to go up. No, I don't think that's the case. I, I really think Mississippi State's a great job. You know, we talked about Arkansas. Uh, I, I, I do, and I don't think he's going to go anywhere. But, you know, he's got to get that offense going, man. You know, he really does – He. I think the opening series is important, you know, because like he says, they came out just kind of sluggish last week. They need to come out. They need to establish dominance up front, get Hill going, get the quarterback going, get Schrader running, get, you know, get this passing game opened up because uh, they, they've got plenty of talent, plenty of weapons. And this is a this is an Arkansas team that's on their heels as well. So who mm -hmm. comes out more fired up? All right, Shane. Let's jump on down to Rocky Top. 
Tennessee, obviously coming off the big 20-point win there against South Carolina. Got UAB this week, so they're not in the conference play, but, you know, we've seen it. I mean, Tennessee's riding high, but this team, they're very talented. They have good coaches, but they cannot afford to overlook any opponent. That we, I mean, we've seen it, right? Like I said, uh, if they look past UAB, which is a hell of a lot better program than Georgia State with a hell of a lot better head coach, Tennessee's going to get smacked right in the mouth. Uh, mm-hmm. Thoughts on this game, Shane? Obviously, this is another one where Tennessee's eye in that postseason. They still have a a hill to climb to get there, but they have no chance of going to a bowl if they slip up somehow and lose to UAB. So as our big Tennessee homer here, um, I don't want to say concerned, but uh, uh, what are your thoughts on, or if you are concerned at all, Tennessee's upcoming matchup with uh, UAB? Well, there's no, I mean, you're always a little worried, you know, <laughs> when you, when you, <laughs> when you drop one to Georgia state, you know, you just, you know, I don't know. You just get you get a little your palms get a little sweaty. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we talked about Appy State. You remember there was uh, a couple years ago we were playing Appy State, and uh, you know it got down to the tail end. And if it weren't for a fumble <laughs> and a miracle, we would have lost that thing. So you can never overlook teams like this, and especially University of Tennessee. But I will say this: you know Tennessee's been playing very, very good football. UAB is a very, very good football team. You know, they've only lost, I think, one game, haven't they? Yeah, they're 6-1 and one this season, Shane. And last year, I believe they went 11-3. and three. So, I mean, this is uh, no joke here. No, I mean, the only team that I think they lost to was Western Kentucky, and we were just pumping them up, and it was just by a touchdown. So this, these guys can score. They have plenty of offense. Tennessee cannot afford to take their foot off the gas. They have got to keep playing physical ball. And if you've noticed the last few games that Tennessee's had, they, it's it's just like there's a switch that has been triggered. And the, the, especially with the offensive line, mm-hmm. they've just been nasty, man. They've been great like road graders. And they got to keep that up even with this team and, and just – inflict the pain that's what you got to do and you cannot afford to just finesse this thing and, and let them let this be a ball game that's we're you see how bad we are when we let games get to the fourth quarter don't let it get to the fourth quarter end it at half yeah that's a good point Shane and I think one of the key reasons this team won't let up is one Mr. Jawan Jennings when you got a team captain like this guy uh, I know Tennessee's got a lot of youth, but I mean, I don't think there's any way Juwan's going to let these these players just not take this game seriously. They know what can happen if you do. Uh, so Jeremy Pruitt talked about that on Monday. This, these are some really great quotes he had on Jennings. And then uh, I thought to his very last question he got, I thought was pretty good on the coaches and the players and how their you know their emotions are coming out, the energy's coming out. This is a that's a big part of this Tennessee, the difference we've seen in the last month. I mean, a month ago, this was the damn worst team in the SEC. I mean, <laughs> we were talking about them the same, same level of Arkansas. And yeah. now, I mean, still, they've only won three games, but they're playing tough. They're playing Alabama tough. I mean, they're, this is just a completely different team, and I think a lot of it has to do with Jeremy Pruitt when he's hitting on uh, in this clip right here. Obviously, when you got this job, Juwan wasn't even technically part of the team yet. I'm just wondering, what were those initial conversations with him like? What was said, and when did you start to realize 
he could be the team leader that he's become, that he had those kind of leadership skills? Well, it's interesting. You know, most of the I, – I, I didn't know anything about Jawan Jennings. Uh, I knew him as a, you know, opposing player on another team. Uh, when I got the job, there were some details about what all happened here. And, and uh, you know, I asked a lot of people in the building what they thought, and most of them that said, you know, I wouldn't let him come back. They don't work here anymore. You know, the people that said let him come back, they all work here. Uh, you know, when the when the when you start talking to the players that played on the team, the Trey Smiths, um, the Daniel Batulis, uh, and they say, nah, Coach, we want this guy on our team. You know, so uh, I knew enough about those guys in recruiting to know that they knew what was right and what was wrong. Uh, and then we gave him an opportunity. We set out some things there that uh, we required him to do. And he's done everything that we've asked him to do. Every, everything that we've asked him to do. Uh, and, you know, it goes to show you that when you get second chances, um, sometimes people make the most of them. And Jawan Jennings has made the most of his chances here this second time around. I said it after the game. He's going to graduate. Uh, in December, so uh, good for him. He's had a great senior year. I know he wants to finish it on a on a, uh, a positive note, uh, and he's going to leave his mark at the University of Tennessee, not only as a football player, uh, but as a person, person with character, who's a leader, and has given his all for the University of Tennessee. Coach, if you will, talk about the work that your staff has done as the season has progressed to get the guys playing with that passion and playing the way they are at, at this point. Well, I, I think it says a lot about our assistant coaches, uh, the time and effort that they've put in, their relationships, okay, because somewhere along the way there has to be trust, okay. When things don't go the way you expect them to go, uh, you get all kind of outside noise, you, you, you have all kind of clutter. I think it says a lot about our staff, about keeping their players focused, the buy-in, the belief in what we're working on. Um, you know, so we've, we've got to continue to do that. Our football team has, has continued to improve from the start of the season. Um, you know, we, we've created some self-inflicting wounds along the way, okay, uh, that's not helped us. But they've not flinched. They've stayed together. Um, and we continue to work hard to improve. And, and we've got to finish the season the right way. You know, we kind of, this kind of reminds me a little bit of last year. You know, some of the things that we, we did and got to the point here, kind of in the middle of the year, and we didn't finish. So uh, we got an opportunity this week uh, to, to kind of start to learn how to finish. And uh, starts with practice today. Our guys, have, they've got to, um, they will, because they've done it all year. Uh, we got to get ready to have high energy in the meetings so we can correct the mistakes that we made, because we made plenty of them. Uh, we're still searching for that perfect game. And uh, we have a routine we go through on Mondays and Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays. We got to do it. We got to get going and know our opponent, know what we're trying to get accomplished, know why we're doing it and uh, create the right habits to get it done this week. All right, Shane, I particularly liked that last 
comment, but uh, Juwan Jennings, how about that on, uh, you know, the people that told me not to bring him back, their ass is gone. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that was probably my favorite quote of the day there from Jeremy Pruitt, but it just kind of tells you a lot. It's kind of like we hit on in the last episode. I mean, if not for Pruitt and Fulmer taking a stand, Juwan Jennings not even be on this roster. And and don't kid yourselves. I mean, I don't, I didn't hear any true fans saying this, but there was a lot of people in the media even saying, you know, this kid does not deserve a chance. He screwed screwed it up and all this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Now they're kissing his ass like they should be. Uh, but there was a time when it did not look like Jennings would be back. And now it looks like he's the damn team, the leader of the entire team. Absolutely. This is a prime example why you don't go to social media to voice your opinions, Mike, you know, because <laughs> I saw that video floating around. I was like, oh, damn, I forgot he said all that, you know, but <laughs> you know what? He's right. Pruitt, Pruitt said it, you know, uh, the ones that didn't want him here, you know, they already got that ass fired, so they're gone. So the people <laughs> that did want him here still were employees. So that's, I was going to listen to them first. So you know, it, it, I'm sure it was in a long conversation. I'm sure in the first 10 minutes, he realized Juwan Jennings wanted the best for him and the University of Tennessee. And he was lied to. He felt manipulated. So I don't blame him uh, for being upset. He didn't do it. The, he definitely didn't do it the right way. But he's been redeeming himself ever since. This is a, a great young man. Uh, I, I'm telling you, there is <laughs> – I saw a little message. Did you see Khalil – McKenzie uh, sent out a tweet. He says, he goes, I'm looking forward to uh, the camps here in about 15 years. He says, there are going to be a bunch of little kids running around named Jawan. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> he's, just, he's just, you know, that's, I'm telling you, man, the Tennessee fans love him and I'm glad he's sticking around. But he is the true pulse of that team, not just on offense, but also on defense. I think, honestly, everybody's looking up to him and, and that's the kind of leadership you want. That's a, a true alpha dog. I kind of think the most important thing Pruitt had to say there about the situation, you know, he's smart enough to admit when he doesn't know something. He didn't know Juwan Jennings. I don't think he had any idea that he had been dismissed for what he had been dismissed for. Mm -hmm. You know, Pruitt, obviously not a big social media guy, but what he did, he said he, he knew Daniel Petuli, he knew Trey Smith from recruiting them, knew their kind of character and type of players they were, went and ask them because if Jennings was this big issue that was hurting the team you know I think those players I don't know if they would have came out and, and throw Juwan under the bus but I think if if they knew that he was hurting things instead of you know someone they want to go to battle with someone that is going only going to help the team I don't think they would have uh, you know I, I just think it was really smart of Pruitt to take that approach listen to those guys and it's obviously paid off and no uh you know let's not forget Batuli, the hell of a game he had trace miss playing the best mm -hmm. football of his career i mean these are the guys that he needed to buy in when he got in there because if he didn't get this buy-in uh there's no chance in hell tennessee's winning any games with with just playing freshmen and sophomore yeah for sure man and it feels like there is a lot of buy-in I mean, these kids, you should see them after that game. They were just – everybody was excited. You see, I, when uh, – what's his name? Uh, again, I'm going to call him T, Henry T, coming off the field, and he had that big smile on his face. Mm -hmm. You know, it just – it felt like a weight had been lifted. But, you know, again – you cannot overlook a team like UAB. UAB is one of those get those games, one of those teams that you talk about. Like, 
damn, they didn't see this one coming. You know what I'm saying? They they got to to stay grounded this week. Don't get caught looking ahead. Uh, UAB is a very talented ball club, and 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 I think that's where that senior leadership's really going to pay off. Getting these guys grounded. Last thing on Tennessee, Shane Brian Maurer. Pruitt says he'll be ready to go this week. So it's out. I mean, based on that, he's barring a setback. He should be good. Jarrett Garantano, I don't know if we hit on this, but it was announced Sunday that he had a a screw inserted into his wrist, had surgery. Pruitt says he's going to be good to go too. He's going to miss practice on Monday, but back out there Tuesday. So, uh, again, we talk about not overlooking a team, having, you know, Tennessee's still not a very deep team. They're going to need, I think, all their quarterbacks because you just – you just don't know who's going to be there, who's going to be yeah. hurt, who's going to be you know, making boneheaded plays. They basically need all of them uh, down the stretch here, I think. Isn't that crazy? Three-headed monster. <laughs> Best quarterback room in the U.S. <laughs> you just got the Gators back on your side. <laughs> all right, Shane, that's all I've got on this episode. You got anything before we hop off here? No, uh, this one's getting late as well. Uh, tomorrow, uh, hopefully, we can get to those reviews, Mike. I, I, they're they're piling up, and I do appreciate everybody uh, putting in the effort to do those. It's it's not not that we don't want to read them. It's just you know we don't want it to we don't want the show to be over an hour. You know that's we're trying to get get it so that you can listen to it on your way to and from work and. Uh, we'll try to we'll try to get that on tomorrow if we can't because I've also got some I guess some mailback questions too so if you got any mailback questions just feel free to tweet them at us at that SEC podcast you can also get us at the Reddit page same same uh, title same name okay mm-hmm. but that's all I got man uh, that's gonna do it and remember anyone out there wanting their koozie give us a, a five star rating and review. Give us a written review. Send that over to us. You can email that to us at thatsecpodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on the Twitters, on the Reddit. We'll be more than happy to send that free of charge. Send it your way. Uh, That's going to do it, Shane. Thanks for joining me as always. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you, guys. Go Vols. You know my orange koozie is 1-0, Mike. Maybe the coolest name here in the SEC here in a couple. Fuck. <laughs> Damn. Every time you talk about Morse, that door opens. I'm worried about you, Mike. I'm just afraid. I could be the Appy State guy. I don't know. <laughs> he came over to guarantee an ass whooping, is what he did, I guess, huh? Yell out, I hate Michigan too. <laughs>